Thank you. So you're probably thinking, oh, he's definitely going to preach from Matthew. That's his favorite book. Uh, but I'm actually going to preach on something that's very near and dear to my heart. So first of all, good morning again. It is wonderful to be back. It was a great time of renewal, relaxation, and rest for Lisa and myself. And so I thank Patrice. I thank for the whole worship team. It was amazing. You guys did a great job. And I love this live stream thing because we can still stay connected throughout all of that as well. So it's great to kind of peek in on what was going on as we were camping. And so this morning, kind of going off of some of the things that Lisa talked about in the prayer as well, this is a difficult time. As Bob preached last week, it's the most dangerous time, and he talked about why that was. And before that, he talked about all the things that you could possibly think of as to why this would be a difficult time. Let's just take one of them, for example. Lisa alluded to it in the prayer. School. Wow, is there not anxiety, worry, all kinds of stress that is around that? You know, being a teacher, and there's many teachers in our midst, that is all we've been thinking about all summer, if not the springtime as well, ever since we went on break in March. There hasn't really been a lot of rest. And there's a lot of unanswered questions as well. There's a lot of different feelings. There's anger on one side, there's acceptance, there's worry, there's nervousness, there's unanswered questions. Teachers not knowing whether to go back and whether to be safe when they go back. If we go back, how is that going to be? And that's just the teachers. What about the students? I know that there are some students, some of my past students, who are there super eager to get back in the classroom, no matter what it's like, whether they have to be six feet apart and have to have masks on all day. They're okay with that because they want to get back. And there's another group of our students who are extremely nervous. And there's another group of students who are, they're not coming back. They're going to stay remote. And then how about the parents? Oh, man. You think it's a tough decision in terms of the teacher's aspect. Well, a lot of times well, the decisions are made for us. I can't imagine a parent. Do I send my child to school? If I do, could they possibly get it? Could they bring it back to me? The worry and the fear that's in there. Do I send them because my child wants to go back? Or do I keep them home where I think it's safe? Difficult decisions. Then pile on all the other stuff. That's just school. Think of the worry and the anxiety and the fear just wrapped around on that. But we know that's not it. Right now we're living in a day and age where we are on an onslaught of information. You know, for those of us who are on Facebook, we probably wish that we weren't on Facebook most of the time. Because there is just a differing opinion of everything. It seems like everybody has become an expert on everything in life and feel the need to share that expert opinion on everything instead of being compassionate in this time. We live in a day and age now where the political divide seems to be enormous and we're in an election season where, oh man, anxiety. We have some of us who know that they have gotten the virus and have fortunately um, recovered from the virus. I personally don't know anyone who has passed away from that, but we know there are many. We are looking at an unprecedented number of people who have passed away from this virus. Anxiety, fear, worry. What about jobs? The list can go on. And so I want to focus in on this morning where it says in Paul's letter, be anxious for nothing. That's one of the translations. Another translation is say, do not worry about anything. I'm like, Paul, how is that even possible? Are you kidding me? Don't worry about anything? Have you seen us? We live in worry. We live in fear. That's what we do. 
but he's calling us to be anxious for nothing. And so as I go through the scriptures and what the truth reveals to them, not only do we live in a time of anxiety and fear and worry, and it kind of speaks to us, this message also speaks deeply to me as well. I have lived with uh, anxiety for many years, probably more years than I have been aware of, where I've just kind of thought, well, that's not really it. And in anxiety, you, uh, basically I'm diagnosed as high-functioning anxiety and depression. Um, so I might look normal. Of course, those who know me know I'm not normal in the least bit. But um, deep down, I've got a lot of problems going on, a lot of mental health issues. And for me personally, I have been on medication for a while to help that out. I've been seeking uh, counseling as well. I've had many years of panic attacks as well. Um, didn't really realize what those were initially. Thought they were asthma, but it turns out to be a panic attack. You know, and I know that I'm not alone. I know that there's probably some here who deal with that. I know that there's many in our congregation. I've had the privilege of being able to talk with a lot of my students as well who struggle with it as well. And in this time, that level of anxiety where we feel like we got it under control, it's creeping up. I know mine is. I know that all of the negative things that come out of anxiety for me have come out. I have a lovely list. I'm impatient when I'm um, anxious. I'm all kinds of irritable. Um, I don't, I, my mind is just spinning, so I'm always on move. You know, as you know, I'm always like moving anyways, my hands, right? They're always kind of doing that kind of thing. Um, I'm just like, I'm a constant whirl of motion. I have a hard time just settling down and being calm, and I know I'm not alone. And so what I don't want to do this morning is just kind of, well, here's my story, um, and here's all the things that I have done, and like, here's the self-help kind of talk, because that's not the point of this. The point of this is to reveal the truth of Scripture. What does the Lord have for us this morning? And more importantly, how is the Holy Spirit working in you individually? And so that's my prayer, as we just kind of take a look at what Scripture has for us. May His Spirit maybe guide you, clarify some things for you, make some sense of this time as we look at what he has for us. So, first thing I want to do, I want to go back and I want to look at some of Jesus' words first before we dive into Philippians. So, let's go to Matthew. All right, so at the end of Matthew, chapter 6, it's probably one of, the, kind of, one of those well-known passages because we use it a lot, right? It says, do not worry about anything. Do not worry about what you're going to eat and drink. Do not worry about your clothing. Like, why worry about those things? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their own clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was never dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares for wildflowers that are here today and into the fire tomorrow, won't he certainly care for you? Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these, saying, these things, saying what will we eat and what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have its own worries. Worry about today. 
be in today? Well, that's easy, right? So if you're anxious, you know, when I'm in those times of anxiety, all I got to do is just say to myself, don't be worried. And I'm good, right? No problem. Or if I read on later on, you know, Philippians, like be anxious for nothing. So, and you know that when you're in those moments, nope, that doesn't necessarily help. But it helps if we go deeper and start to understand why he says those things. Well, in that passage, we end up like a lot of times we start with the do not worry about anything, but we forget about what precedes it right before the passage. And right before the passage, Jesus is saying, you cannot serve two masters for you will love one and hate the other. You will despise one and be devoted to another. That is why I tell you, you cannot serve both God and money. Ah, that's why we don't have to worry because we need to have our focus in the right place. As we see in 1 John later on, it says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Oh, there's a little bit of a clue as to how we should be living. Don't worry about the things, the shiny things in this world, the ambitions, our possessions, all of those things. Jesus is saying, just be in my presence. I have the things that you need. You'll have food. You'll have clothing. I'll take care of those basic needs, not all those wants that we think are needs. So one of the first things I want to give you in this kind of toolbox of how to deal with anxiety in this time of of struggle is one, have the proper perspective on where our focus should be. And our focus should be in on him. So that's our first toolbox is proper perspective. So when things are spinning out of control, you think, whoa, wait, wait a minute, minute. is that really where I should be putting my effort and time and energy. And I know for me, sometimes that helps. Sometimes it doesn't, so I've got some other tools, but sometimes it does. Then later on in Matthew, we look at chapter 11, at the end of it, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Another great promise. Now, for those of you who might not know, um, so a yoke right, is kind of like this big wooden thing, um, at least back in that time, where they would put it around like oxen or horse or something like that. And the idea was they would yoke oxen together or horse, horses together so that they would be kind of going in the same direction and being led by their master in there. And the idea is, obviously, right, two is better than one, but two can also be a lot worse than one if they're going in opposite directions or they're fighting against one another, not kind of going in that same direction. And so what Jesus is saying here is, take my yoke upon you. Well, in a practical sense, what he's saying is, let me guide you. As Bob's favorite singer, Carrie Underwood, would say, Jesus, take that wheel, right? We want the Lord to guide our steps, And so when we're weary, when we're heavy laden, do we turn to him and do we say, okay, Lord, guide me. I I surrender it all. But that's a key, is do you surrender it all? Or do you hang on to just a little bit of control? We'll talk about that control thing later on. Or do you give it all? And so this idea of surrender, of taking a yoke upon you, And so we're going to call that our second tool in the toolbox, which is just surrender and let him guide. 
how that happens practically in your life, that's for the Holy Spirit to talk to you about. How he talks to me, how he talks to you, that's going to be different. But again, dwell in his presence. Trust that he will lead you. All right, so that's what Matthew has for us. Let's dive into Philippians now. So in Philippians, Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians. There are a lot of great things in there. And at the end of the letter, he starts to get to this portion. And we've used it a lot in here. And so in Philippians 4, it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. In there, the key word, always be full of joy. Oh, our brother Jody preached on that two weeks ago. He talked about joy and what that is and what it means in our life. Does it always mean to be happy, happy, happy? Not necessarily. But again, it's a trust issue. Do we trust in what the Lord has for us? Do we trust where he's going, where he's leading our lives? I know, well, you're probably not like me, right? You probably have full trust in everything. But I feel like there's a lot of times that my way is better. And so I'd feel like if I just work hard enough at the task that I have before me, I will get to where I need to go. And as difficult as the Lord makes that path because he knows it's the wrong path, I just keep going down that path. Now I know that's not like you. Probably just me. But we do that. And so I want to remember that our third tool in our toolbox is this idea of joy. But again, remembering what joy is, and joy is trust in his promises, trust in where he's going, trust in where he's leading. As Jody pointed out um, two weeks ago, and I just loved how he said this, which was the joy a lot of times comes when we get to the end result. Because when we get to that end result, we can see the journey And I know for a lot of us, we have seen that. Now, it doesn't necessarily make it easier when that happens again. Um, But it does help when we're like, wait a minute, he took me through that. He got me through there. And you understand kind of where it is. It's always interesting, kind of like look back and just see where he's working in there. And so in here, we have this idea of joy. All right, so let's see if you remember all of our tools so far. Number one. Uh, it would actually be helpful to take the headphones out. <laughs> I'm like checking the live stream feed as well. So number one is? All right, proper perspective. Nice. Number two? What was that? Ah, surrender. There you go. Good. Yep. Yeah, my hearing is not the greatest. <laughs> I can't wait to be teaching with masks. <laughs> That's going to be great. And then number three? Joy. Joy, joy, joy. All right. So then now we get to a part where I want to expand just a little bit. Don't worry about anything, or in some translations, be anxious for nothing. All right. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And he will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Well, that tool is probably pretty obvious. Pray. And sometimes, especially in this world, I think sometimes we kind of, um, prayer gets a bad rap. Um, especially kind of gets a bad rap if you go on social media and, you know, something bad happens and, you know, a group of people are like, I will be praying for you. And like, I don't want your prayers. I want your actions. Or I want you to fix this. And, you know, so sometimes it kind of gets that bad uh, rap. That's not what the Lord wants. 
The Lord wants that continual conversation with us. So pray. But he actually gives us some specific guidance into how to pray here. We know that the Lord has given us many guidance as well, but specifically in this passage, it tells us to do two things. One of them, unload. Just tell him what you need. You know, so I'll use Jody um, as an example right here. So Jody's prayer might be, Lord, I need answers. I, I don't understand why you have taken the hearing away from my ear. I've lost some of the things that I enjoy and I can't do them. Then this is a struggle and I have no answers. So that might be your prayer. Just lay it out there and say, don't be afraid to ask difficult things. As in our book study, it says, don't be afraid to ask for big things because our God is big. So don't go to our God and say, well, Lord, you know, if you can just kind of take a little bit of the pain away, that would be really great. No, no. Ask him. Tell him, Lord, strike this pain away. Restore my hearing. Restore my health. Whatever it may be, ask big. But he says, don't stop there. Don't just say, well, here's all my needs. Thanks, God. And then walk away. No, 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 no. He says, pray for everything that you need and thank him for all he has done. That helps. That's one of the big ones for me. That's where I lose it. And when my anxiety is through the roof, that's one of the things that helps calm me down is when I start to have a proper perspective and start to understand what really matters because I can see all the things that he has done for me and through many years. And you start having an attitude of gratitude. So for some people, that's journaling an attitude of gratitude. For some people, that's like saying it out loud and having a group of accountability friends. Some people, wherever it may be, wherever the Holy Spirit's moving you, I think that is extremely important. And I love Lisa's prayer this morning as well where it talked about that in this time of difficulty and I go back to school because I know school means so much to us right now. But there's so much complaining, so much griping, so much just grumbling and, and just worry. Lord, I ask that you help us to have an attitude of gratitude in this time. It's tough because there's a lot of worry and fear and there's a lot of unanswered questions. But Lord, help me to be grateful for the position you've put me in. Now I know that this school year won't be the same, but help me. Help me be grateful every day I wake up to be able to make a difference. So an attitude of gratitude in there. So when it says, be anxious for nothing, don't worry about anything, again, it's helpful to have a tool. And so our tool is prayer, but our prayer in twofold. Our prayer of unloading, but then having an attitude of gratitude. So that's our fourth tool. So prayer. Now, our fifth tool, this is the one that I struggle with the most. And I know having conversations with other people, this is the one that they struggle with the most as well. And when the anxiety is really high, this is the one that goes straight off the cliff and everything just, it, it's crazy town. Paul says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing as if he hasn't said a lot of things before that, right? But one final thing that I have for you. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. 
Focus your thoughts on things of excellence and things that are worthy of praise. That's the hard one. At least it is for me. Because as soon as my anxiety goes up, I can think of every negative scenario there is. And I can spiral that thing. And next thing I know, I've sat in bed for three hours not being able to fall asleep because the world has just ended. You didn't know it, but I dreamt it um, into being. And so it's a struggle. But what he's saying here is fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and right and honorable and all of those kind of things. Now, again, I know you don't do this, so it's probably just me. I'm going to confess this. But a lot of times when I'm reading in Scripture and I see a list of things, I tend to blow through the list. Um, and I kind of just kind of lump them all in together, kind of like what it's kind of telling me. So, for example, like, you know, in Galatians 5 where it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, like all of those, right? I just kind of like, okay, the fruit of the Spirit is good stuff. Boom, right? And I don't really like take an, a, a focused look at all of those things. Or at the end of Romans, um, uh, Paul will be saying, you know, then he gave all of those people up to a debased mind to do what they, ought, what they ought not to do. And they were filled with like envy and murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, covetousness, uh, slaughter, uh, slander, haughtiness. There, the list goes on, right? And you're like, so those are the bad things, right? And you just kind of lump them all together and whoop, there you go, right? I don't, I don't know what it is that when I do this, but I don't really like focus in on the words and really understand what's the nuances and the difference. So we're going to do that this morning really quick. So we're going to look at each of those words and what it's telling us. First thing is, fix your thoughts on what is true. Okay. Now, that can be a difficult one. A lot of us are like, well, yeah, I always do that. No, you don't. All right, because I know I don't, right? Now, what is true? Well, obviously, it's stuff that's not false. And we think, well, what's the biggest truth there is? Our Lord Jesus Christ, right? He is the truth, the way, and the life. So we've got that. But let's talk about a practical sense. Okay, we've got that. We understand that. Tracy's been talking about it a lot, right? Be in Scripture, do all those things, because that's truth. But let's back up into the world. When we live in the world... Do we live in the truth? So when we're on social media, do we live in the truth? Or do we try to pretend that our truth is the truth and so I'm going to share it no matter what? Eh, right? I think we've all been guilty of that. Think about the shows that you watch, the news that you read. Is it truth? Or is it a little bit of a distraction? Are there hard choices that you have to make in your life? and say, you know what? Maybe Facebook is not the greatest thing. Maybe I, like, I shouldn't dabble my toe in it. Maybe I should get out of the water. Let the Spirit work in it on you. Because maybe there's some things that you're focusing in on. Fix your thoughts on whatever is honorable. The word honorable actually um, comes from the word meaning worship. So fix your thoughts on worship. Those things that should be esteemed, respected, fix your thoughts on those. So when things are going out of control, are you fixing your thoughts on the honorable things? When it comes to the school year, are you thinking about things that are worthy of praise and being esteemed? Or are you thinking about all the other little things that it's a lot more fun just to gripe about? Fix your thoughts on what is right. The idea behind right here is actually a legal term. And what it basically means is those things that follow the law. So when I'm fixing my thoughts, 
you know, the Lord has given us the law and he summarizes it, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor and tell him about it, right? That's the law. Are we doing that in all things? Fix your thoughts on what is pure. Pure here is obviously things that are not defiled, but it also can be translated as holy. I like that translation a little bit better. Fix your things on things that are holy. Fix them on the right things in that regard. How about lovely? Fix your thoughts on things that are lovely. Those are things that are deserving of being loved. So, do you love things that maybe you shouldn't necessarily? Because you're putting your hopes and your desires in those. Think about things that are admirable. That's things of good repute. Things that are good to hear. It can describe the good report that comes home. So again, thinking about schooling. It can tell of the hearing of pleasant things. It's a satisfying story. It's uplifting. Things, things are admirable. Think of things that are excellent. This describes anything of moral goodness. So again, our thoughts is our focusing on the right things in that regard. And then lastly, fix your thoughts on things that are worthy of praise. Do we do that? Do we have the proper perspective in all things in our life? Or do we elevate certain things? I don't know about you, but a lot of times I elevate myself. And I think, I'm the best teacher there is. So if everybody could just do it the way I do it, we'd be better off. Right? Now, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I think it. And it's not a good thought. And it's a very selfish thought. Instead of being in collaboration, understanding that. And so our fifth tool is having the right thoughts. Fixing them on the right thing. And then our last one, and at this one here, this is where I think this is what helps when it comes to anxiety. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm in those moments, um, and we were on our trip as well, and we were just talking about this, my anxiety was at a high, high, high point on the trip, and I was struggling, um, and I was struggling with all kinds of stuff when we were driving up in Michigan. And in those moments... I know some of these truths. And there's one night laying in bed and I, my mind's just spiraling. I'm like, fix your thoughts on what is true. And that didn't work. Just kept on spiraling. All right. Okay, fix your thoughts. Let's pick another word. Uh, nope, that just kept on spiraling. All right. Sometimes it's very difficult in those moments to just all of a sudden get a tool out of the box and start using it. Um, as many of you know, I'm not the most handy of people. Right? So whenever I have a problem or something needs to be fixed, I usually either call Andy or Bob and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. How do I use this tool? I own the tool, but I don't know how to use the tool. Right? And then when I go to try to use the tool that I don't know how to use, things don't go well sometimes. Right? I've also turned to YouTube, but you know, that's another. But all right. Lastly, what Paul has for us, keep putting into practice all these things you've learned from me. Everything you've received from me and heard me doing. Ah, there it is. It has to be a continual practice. It can't be something that you just come back and forth with. It has to be something that becomes a daily part of who you are and everything. And that helps us combat anxiety. So our final tool is practice. Now, we know, I think most of us like understand, right, if we watch sports 
or we watch musicians or whatever, we totally understand this concept of practice, unless you're Allen Iverson, right? In this case, right, we understand that practice is necessary to achieve greatness. We get that, right? I try to practice as much as possible when I'm, um, before I'm up here. It doesn't always happen. But I know that I need to have practice. Again, in the sports world, we know. Now, I'm going to let you in on one little truth here. You know, 2020 has been a bad year, right? There's been a lot of things like, wow. I mean, everything about it. But I'm going to leave you here before I close with one amazing truth about 2020 that is something worthy of praise. In 2020, I guarantee that the Michigan Wolverines will snap their losing streak against the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's going to happen, right? And some of you know why that's going to happen. We need to be in continual practice of all of these things in everything that we do. It starts first with what Bob talked about last week, and I loved his sermon. It's the most dangerous time because we can't gather in the way that we want to. A lot of us are here right now. A lot of us are hopefully watching from home, but it's not the same. And we've got to work hard to have that fellowship because it's been too easy to follow the shiny things of this world. And so right now, one of the ways is working hard to be in fellowship, gathering in community together, sharing our joys and burdens, studying his word together, prayer, sing songs of praise, fix our thoughts on the correct things, be part of the book study, do all of these things because those things help us to practice. Brothers and sisters, we are definitely in a difficult time but here's some assurance. It's really not all that different from any season before and any season to come. We think that this is the worst time in all of humanity. It's not. Read any history books, you start to understand that it's a very cyclical thing. So there's comfort in that. There's also comfort in our Savior has been there. Because our Lord and Savior came in human flesh to be with us, he understands our trials and tribulations that we go through. He understands our worries and doubts and fears. He wants to walk beside us and for us to take the easy yoke upon our shoulders and let him help guide us through this time. May the power of the Holy Spirit rest in your hearts today, this week, this month, this year, and beyond. May you be in tune to what he has in store for your life and be anxious for nothing because our Lord is in control of all things. Amen.